Good morning to you. Happy Easter. And just add my welcome to, to Tim's. It's so good to, to be here today. Uh, I took the liberty of tweeting your picture, but I did it from behind, so don't worry, no one will know. And I tweeted the fact that I walked past to get to the church this morning, past All Saints Church here in Cheltenham, which is right at the other end of the Anglican spectrum of churches, if you know All Saints. So they'll have uh, properly dressed vicars and, uh, and all of that stuff. And they were buzzing and they were full. And then I walked into this church and we're buzzing and we're full. People will tell you the Church of Jesus Christ is, is dead and dying. It isn't true. So I, I tweeted your picture uh, this morning. And of course, it, there's a convergence, isn't there, of uh, Easter Sunday and the 1st of April, April Fool's Day. So you, you don't know if I'm telling you the truth or not, that I've... I've um, <laughs> I've, I've sellotaped a £50 note under one of the seats uh, in, in here. Do feel free to have a look if you want to uh, now. Uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, hello sir, is sitting right at the, at the very back of church and I am six foot three. So, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of questions that might go through, through our minds uh, on April, April Fool's Day. And of course, also, there's all kinds of questions, aren't there, that can go through our minds when we think about, about Easter Sunday, we think about the resurrection. Uh, maybe you're here today, and uh, this is, as Tim was saying, you know, you're, you're kind of slightly fresh to this, and you're wondering what's going on, you're wondering, you know, if what you've been feeling, is, is that God? Uh, maybe you, uh, you were brought up in a Christian home and you're just still in that place where you're thinking to yourself, what do I believe as opposed to what my family have brought me up to, to believe? Maybe you feel like you've come in through the film halfway through, as I quite often like saying. It's one of my encouragements to people to go on Alpha. If you, if you kind of don't dare to ask certain questions about the plot line that's gone before because you don't want to look foolish or you don't want to upset anybody, then that's why we encourage people so much to, to go on, on Alpha. I, I like these, uh, these questions. Uh, Andrew, can we put the first one of those, those up today? These are, these are real questions, uh, real answer <laughs> sheets that were put up. If you can't see that one, it's this. Uh, do you, do you, uh, you can option strongly disagree, disagree, neither agree or strongly agree with the question, I disagree with people a lot. And the person has ticked disagree. <laughs> Second one, these are, these are real, obviously taken off the internet. <laughs> Are you childish? <laughs> nice little picture drawn in the no box there. And then we've got one more. Are you paranoid? <laughs> oh, I love those. Thank you, Andrew. So Oscar Wilde said, I can believe anything as long as it is incredible. I can believe anything as long as it is incredible. Well, if that's you today, if you're sort of saying, well, you know, I'm in that place, then the events of the first Easter Sunday are incredible, aren't they? And they are astonishing. And if we don't have some sense of when Paul writes, when he's writing to one of the first groups of Christians meeting and says that the cross of Jesus Christ, that what happened that first Easter is both foolish to some people and a stumbling block to others, then we haven't understood what, what our God has done. We should recognise 
how foolish it seems, how offensive it is to so many. Many people in the world find it offensive to say that God would come down to earth, would, would limit into human form and then die on a cross and, and suffer all that Jesus suffered for our, for our sake. And, and people would say that that's offensive to imagine Tim read those words for us again from, from the book of Philippians about Jesus humbling himself. Would our God humble himself in that kind of way? And then surely we must sense something of the, the feeling that it could be foolish to believe that somehow you, say, you, know, you stand here, Andrew, and say you don't know how it works, but you believe that by that action, by Jesus who had committed no sin, by his action of being prepared in complete obedience to say a complete yes, where we would say no, that somehow that means every barrier between you and God, between you, therefore, and who you are meant to be, between you, therefore, and all other people, all other relationships, those barriers have, have gone. We have to sense, if we want to go into this story, something of the shocking claim that we're making, the foolishness in the eyes of many, the, the sense that it would be a stumbling block. I certainly know for me, as I made that transition that I've already referred to from the faith that I grew up in as a Christian, in a Christian family, to, to my own personal faith in Jesus Christ, I had to really engage with the foolishness that the stumbling block nature of what Christians believe. Well, if you know anything about your Bibles, you know that the four uh, gospel writers, the four biographers of Jesus' life, uh, approach their task in slightly different ways. And let's, let's dive into Luke, a bit of Luke this morning. Luke is the gospel writer who's the most systematic. He actually says that at the beginning of his account of Jesus' life. And we're just going to have a look at the beginning of chapter 24 of Luke. The words will come up on the screen. But I'm going to make some reference to the whole of chapter, but only reading the first parts today because... Next week and the week after, others in the team are going to be covering off some of, uh, some of what we've got. But let's just dive in to, for a moment, the beginning of Luke 24, if you just want to switch that on or, or open your Bibles, and I'll read it for you, it'll be on the screens as well. So Luke writes, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. 
When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Did you just check that I hadn't put that £50 note under your chair? You think it's nonsense, but like Peter, you just couldn't resist going and having a look. Many of us know that uh, some of you did. Maybe you should. You know, was it, was it the first April Fool's Day? Or was it the first Easter Day? You've got both options available to you right now. And in a sense, Peter and those first disciples had those both options in front of them. I mean, if you were writing this stuff, making this stuff up, you know many of you... You wouldn't have women as the first witnesses. Now, straight away, women, can I say, that's not because that's what I believe, but in the culture, in the culture, sadly, at that time, you needed at least two women's testimony to equal one man's testimony in a law court. If you were writing this stuff up, you wouldn't have these particular witnesses And Peter hears this story. He hears that Jesus is alive. He he hears a claim that it's not April Fool's Day, but it's Easter Sunday, and he's not sure. He just has to have a little look for the 50-pound note. But more importantly, in his case, he has to go to the tomb and have a look. And there are two other incidents episodes, encounters that Luke recounts in the rest of the chapter. I'm not going to read them for you, but they've got the same pattern to what happens in that first one that I've just read. The second one is on a road to a place called Emmaus. Many of us will know the story. There are two disciples walking down the road and they're worried and they're perplexed. They're trying to make sense of what has happened and Jesus joins them on the road and he opens their minds to the scriptures and their hearts burned. Tim talked about hearts burning a moment ago. Their hearts burned. And then the third encounter, the third episode that Luke follows through to show the same pattern is in an upper room. And the disciples are gathered and by now they're gathered with having heard the testimony of the women and having heard the testimony of these two guys who've encountered Jesus walking down the road. And they're in an upper room and they're still perplexed And Jesus appears to them, says Luke. And again, he opens their minds to the truth. And they're transformed. There's the same pattern. I'm not going to say a lot about those two. As I've said, next week and the week after, those encounters will be engaged with. But there's the same pattern here of transformation from perplexity and fear into joy 
an absolute certainty. In all three, it's no, it's no accident. This slide just captures the, the three elements in the three different encounters. Andrew, can we put that one up for us? So they come face to face with the physical reality of the resurrection. Are you here today questioning the physical reality of the resurrection? Well, in these three encounters, that's exactly what happens and causes the transformation that, goes, that, that happens. Secondly, they discover that what has happened has complete continuity with what God has promised and what Jesus has, has promised to them. And the third thing that makes the difference, that makes the transformation, the same pattern in all three encounters, is the presence of God, the spiritual presence of God. Thank you, Andrew. You see, those women knew that Romans were really good at killing people. Romans were good at many things. Crucifixion was a particular art form, you might say. Every element of it choreographed to inflict maximum pain and absolute certain outcome. Those women go to the tomb perplexed and fearful. They know that Jesus has died. And yet the tomb is empty. And that, that challenge about how could the tomb have been empty flows through history. The reality of the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no guard, no stone and no body. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus walks and talks and then eats with those disciples. And the upper room, Jesus appears and they touch him and they share food together. The encounter with the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is the beginning of their transformation. Secondly, we'll notice that in all three encounters, all three episodes that Luke records, they come to recognise that what has happened is completely in line with everything that God has promised. The angels appear to the women at the tomb and tell them to remember Jesus' direct words to them about what will happen on that first Easter Sunday. On the road, Jesus reminds the disciples about his words and God's word in scripture. In the upper room, Jesus fulfills the prophecies made thousands of years earlier and opens their mind to the promises of God. If you're here wondering if this is all nonsense, if this is just an April Fool's joke, how do you explain the empty tomb? How do you explain Jesus' fulfilment of numerous prophecies made about him before he was ever alive on earth? Just in his death 
A prophecy that he would die a humiliating death, that he would be rejected, that he would be betrayed by a friend, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, that he would be silent before his accusers, that he'd be mocked, that he'd be beaten, that he'd be spat upon, that his hands and his feet would be pierced, that he would be crucified with thieves, that he would be praying for his persecutors, that his side would be pierced. That he would be given gall and vinegar to drink. That he would experience no broken bones. That he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And that they would cast lots for his garments. If you want to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how do you explain that? And if you have faith, How are you encouraged by these truths? As Tim said, there are are those of us here today daring just to hope. We're, We're just struggling. We're almost overwhelmed by life. The amount of kind of evidence or stuff on the kind of non faith side seems to perhaps have built up in our lives and kind of feels like it's going to overwhelm and overshadow us. It it feels maybe like your faith is, is just hanging on by a thread. You're not sure. Well, friends, have certainty in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have certainty and encouragement that our God has promised and fulfilled his promises and that he will fulfill his promises. And thirdly, in each of those three encounters, the transformation is because of the spiritual presence of God, the presence of God with them. The angels appear and give revelation to the women. Do you notice how it's almost like there's a progression, like the dim figure of Jesus starts very dimly as the angels reveal, and then on the the road to Emmaus, Jesus begins to walk with the disciples, and they're not quite sure who he is. And then in the upper room, Jesus appears physically, bodily, in fullness. It's It's like the picture of Jesus resurrected is coming clearer and clearer, and their hearts burn, just as there are hearts burning in this room. Even as I was reminding you of prophecies made thousands of years before Jesus ever walked the earth, hearts burning. As I reminded you about the reality of the empty tomb, there are hearts burning. I know you're going into lunchtime conversations with a greater sense of yes. And by the spiritual presence of God with us now, the Holy Spirit here now, Jesus here now. Our hearts are burning. Do you feel like Jesus is just almost like a distant, vapory figure? Well, as he does in these three encounters, let him come into focus. Let him come into bodily reality in your life. Right now, right today. 
A guy called Malcolm Mugridge, if we put this quote up, said, seeing God means understanding, seeing into the mystery of things. Is it true? Is it true? There's a father in the car driving along, his daughter sitting in the car seat behind. A bee flies in through the open window and starts buzzing around and the daughter's going, Daddy, Daddy, it's going to, it's going to sting me. It's going to sting me. Daddy, what are you going to do? It's going to sting me. The father puts his hand over the bee. It stings him. And he says to his daughter, there is no sting left. It cannot harm you. Is it true that Jesus on the cross took the sting of death? And there is nothing to fear. Friends, did you notice that in all three encounters, people were fearful of things that no longer existed to be concerned about? Do you notice that the women were wondering how they would move a stone? It was already rolled away. Do you notice that those women were probably worried about how they were going to get past the Roman guards? They'd already gone. If you read it later and listen next week as we share, on that road to Emmaus, those two disciples are wondering how their hope is ever going to be restored. They say to Jesus, not recognising him, everything we hope for has been taken away. But it hasn't. Their fear is groundless. And in that upper room, do you notice that those disciples are wondering, what on earth are we going to do next? How are we ever going to fulfill God's mission? We do not have the ability to do it. And Jesus said, I will give you power if you wait. Their fear was groundless. I just wonder if that's a word for one or two of us here. I think I've been sharing a word about encouragement to believe and take hold of the physical reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I feel called to just say again, you explain it in a different way if it did not happen. I think I've had a word for some people here who sense that the resurrected Jesus Christ, present, real, living with us, has felt to you a bit like a kind of vapour picture. You can't quite take hold of. And I think I've had a word to share with you through these three encounters about allowing the risen Lord Jesus Christ to come into full bodily presence with you. To be your friend to be present in your life. And I think I might just have shared a word about fears that can constrain us actually being completely groundless 
because God has already dealt with them. What was the result in all three encounters? Well, you know it, don't you? They couldn't stop them telling. They couldn't stop themselves telling others about it. So if you look for that 50 pound note now, you won't be able to stop yourselves from telling what happened. It isn't there, you're right. (laughs) But for them, the reality was a reality. It wasn't an April Fool's joke. It was the first Easter. And so those women who are the greatest witnesses in history, precisely because they were not meant to be the best witnesses, but actually they were. They could not stop themselves running and telling other people about the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Those two men on a road to Emmaus could not stop themselves going and telling the other apostles that they had met with Jesus, they'd eaten with him, that he had revealed all things to them and their hearts were burning. And those first disciples could not stop themselves from bursting out of that upper room by the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to come and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today. And if you are here daring to wonder about believing in Jesus, that's your last big question, isn't it? If it's not true that Jesus died and rose again to bring new life, how on earth can we be here today? Someone said, the joy you feel in your heart should show on your face. I hope it does a bit on mine. Desmond Tutu said this, if you are here and there's stuff going on and please don't, as Tim said, please don't uh, hear me trying to do some kind of mind over truth, kind of, you know, motivational talk. The challenges in our life, so real, so real. But has God already dealt with them? Has God already dealt with them? A guy called Desmond Tutu said, Easter says to us that despite everything to the contrary, his will for us will prevail. Love will prevail over hate. Justice over injustice and oppression. Peace over exploitation and bitterness. Final verse of chapter 24 of Luke's Gospel. It is worth reading right the way through. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. If you're able to. Would you like to stand? So it is our, our way in our church celebrations and gatherings. We've got quite a lot of time before children will be expected to be uh, collected. So just uh, we can hold a little bit of moment of time together. And this is the...
part of our worship to come before God now and just to see just to see what he wants to say to us. So let's just try and help each other by being as quiet and still as we can for a moment. Have any of those things that I've shared been, been for you today? A real confidence in the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. Victory over death. Sting gone. Are you being encouraged to, maybe secondly, allow, allow Jesus to come more fully into focus for you. Not to be somebody who feels like you can't quite grab hold of, but someone who wants to grab hold of you. Are you maybe living with fears? And it's your fears that are dominating you more than your faith. And maybe even right in this moment, God has just been saying to you by the Holy Spirit being with us now as we invite the Holy Spirit to just come and minister to each one of us. Maybe even right now, God's been revealing to you that a fear is actually nothing at all. It's already dealt with. Could you dare to let that be true? God is faithful to his promises. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Come, Jesus. Risen Lord Jesus, come to us again, please. For those who've been weighed down by their doubts, Jesus, would you come now and would you give them such a sense of your presence, your real presence. Holy Spirit, for anyone who, who needs to quite literally explode a fear. Anyone, that, that's my image, is, is of, of a fear just literally exploding and vanishing. There it is. It feels, it feels like a solid thing, the fear. 
and uncertainty and unknown. And I think God just literally wants before your eyes, your spiritual eyes just now to explode that fear. To be released from it in the name of Jesus Christ. To not be dominated. God has already dealt with that. It doesn't exist. And finally, that call to to be witnesses. That call to have a greater confidence for the joy in the heart to show on the face. Holy Spirit, would you release your gift of evangelism through this church family, your, your call for us to be also witnesses, each one of us, to our experience of you. For there to be confidence at lunch tables. For there to be confidence in conversations and prayers. Holy Spirit, would you come? The same Spirit that took Jesus from the cross is his gift to us now to share this good news. And I I just want to invite, if I may, it's our way here. And again, I'll signal when it's time for us to go and collect children. It's just our way to invite people to come as a a physical action of desire and intent. Just to, to come and gather at the front and then for members of our church family, just to come and offer you simple prayer. So I'm going to invite you to come forward now. If just you want to have that greater confidence in the resurrection of Jesus, that you have a sense of fears that you want to just see exploded, or if you want to have that sense of the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ, you want to be a witness in your family, you maybe just want to come and stand for prayer on behalf of somebody else. Why don't you just come and do that Do that now? Come to the front and members of our church family will come and come and pray with you. Maybe you're that person who has felt like Jesus has been a bit vapory, a bit intangible. You couldn't quite take hold of him and you, you want him to come and take hold of you now. Just why don't you come and bless you as you come. Come down from the gallery as well if you want to, the balcony. Do just come forward. Or it could be for any other any other purpose we believe in praying for people to be healed in mind in body in spirit this could be the day you want to say yes I want to be a Christian I want to declare myself as a follower of Jesus Christ I've never actually done this before I've never taken a step 
to say yes to Jesus. I believe that Jesus died and rose again and is alive today. That's who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. Let's pray for more of God's work in people's lives.